Uh, welcome to Conversations with Jeff Bucknam. Jeff Bucknam is the lead teaching pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel, and here we are to have a conversation with someone, one of our guests today, because everyone has a story. So welcome. We're glad that you're tuning in and joining us. And uh, wow, there's a lot going on in the world right now. What are you looking at? What's I'm looking at on? your shirt. Oh, yeah. It says, it says, yes, I what? Yes, I will. Oh, my gosh. It's uh, it, Can you read the sleeves? It says worship on the side. Vertical. Vertical worship. Worship. And yes, I will. is. Um, I'm just going to say the same thing I've said repeatedly at this church, <laughs> yes. is that you guys make a t-shirt t-shirts for, for everything. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. Songs. Where is the ministries. conversations with Jeff Bucknam t-shirts is what I'm asking. A hundred percent. Those are coming. Hats, t-shirts. Yeah. What would you like? What's your favorite apparel? Belts. What's your favorite apparel? Purses. <laughs> Purses. Yeah. We should, we really should go whole hog. The people are going to want on, want them. They're going to want. Yeah. <laughs> Can we call Gucci and find out if they want to sponsor? Yeah. This? Hey, we've got some ideas for some swag for our <laughs> podcast, Gucci. Can you make this happen? Exactly. There's we want like a belt buckle. F- there's like four people who mm-hmm. you could advertise to. <laughs> yes. It's going to be wildly <laughs> lucrative. Uh, <laughs> speaking of fashion, I saw you come in the other day with uh, some joggers. Uh, not not only did I have joggers on, yeah. they were Lululemon yes, joggers. They were. I was going to leave that part out. I didn't, yeah. No, they were know. purchased for me. Yeah, that happened yeah. to me too. I am never probably going to go into a Lululemon store and buy something for myself. Yeah. No, don't say it never. Well, no, I don't. I don't think I would. But uh, others have gone in and yes. purchased them for me. Yes, as I understand it, they are very expensive. I understand and that I'm, as well. I'm, yeah. Unless somebody gave that to me as a gift, I would not. I would not have done it. Yeah, but they're comfortable. They are comfortable. Yeah. Is the jogger still in? That is a great question. That I'm going to look at our resident hip people right now. Is our jogger still in? They're they giving, just shrugged. They're doing this. They shrugged, which means mm-hmm. no. Which means but no. But we're trying to be nice to you. Yeah. We don't want you guys to feel bad about the things yeah. that you wear. Tommy, do you I wear still wear... Too. Yeah, you still wear joggers. Do, occasionally, yeah. Okay. Um, I do like them. I think that they're a fantastic invention. A pant and a sweatpant together. They're basically sweatpants, yeah. Are you kidding? Where you can wear a sweatpant, yeah. basically, in a socially... What's the most expensive piece of clothing you own? Uh, yeah, that might be well, the most expensive the, piece of clothing. The Lululemon. I have the same. Jo- that's why I noticed them is because I have the same ones. Mine were also a gift. Oh, I'm so happy you from, didn't wear them the same day I did. Yeah, it's so embarrassing. <laughs> but what if we did? <laughs> Can you imagine? So those, yeah, for, by far, are the most expensive uh, pieces of clothing that wow. I have. Yeah, everything else is most. Everything free. else is uh, <laughs> yeah, harvest swag. <laughs> I found it somewhere, and uh, now I wear it, and it's great, and. Uh, so, yeah, that's why I'm constantly in, I think, actually, now that we're pointing this out, every time we've done this podcast, I am wearing a Harvest shirt Yeah, <laughs> in some fashion. You do. So I but changed the other one. I don't know if you noticed today. I'm not wearing the same one that I've wore every other time. Yeah, you... you I'm branching you, out. You did. You opened up a new door. Yeah, I'm branching, I'm branching into other possibilities. Do we have other questions? Yeah, I, well, I figured, you know, this is a significant week uh, when this podcast is coming out. I believe it's Thanksgiving. Oh, wow. And so that, uh, of course, brings us to many natural questions. What are you thankful for? But also, what's your favorite holiday? You know, I don't think it's Thanksgiving. My, I don't either. Yeah, I mean, I like the football on Thanksgiving, but I've lived what about without... The food? I've lived without Thanksgiving for quite a few years now. That's true. So in other in other places, it's not a thing. And so when it stops being a thing, 
it, it's you know you know it's a big <laughs> holiday that when you don't do it anymore you miss it yeah yeah I didn't the Thanksgiving wasn't something I massively missed was there another day during the because I don't there's not a lot of food at the Thanksgiving table that I think is really that amazing no. I mean listen I know I know but stuffing the green bean slop stuff is good okay you know what I'm green talking bean about casserole yeah Whatever I know exactly called. what you're talking about and then <laughs> it's uh, my favorite my in-laws make deviled eggs yes like stuffed deviled eggs yeah. And yes. then they always make, they get those, uh, there's these little, those little, I don't know, you guys call them rolls. Oh, yeah. Buns. Dinner rolls, yeah. <clears throat> so what it, anyway, they're, they're, but they're sweet. They're oh, like the Hawaiian. Hawaiian. Yeah, the uh-huh. Hawaiian ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, classic. So those are good. Uh, and then turkey. Cranberry? Do you guys do no, cranberry? Cranberry sauce? Yeah, of course cranberry. we do, but it, it's like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and is the mashed potato that good? Uh, I think if so. If you put a lot of cream cheese in it. And oh. other stuff, yeah. then yeah, I can do that. Yeah. But the mashed potato, if not, it's just like a mashed potato, <laughs> starchy. Know. It's really gross. Yeah, it's just yeah. I missed a lot of the whole time you're thinking about it. I wish this was wrapped in a fried exterior. Yeah, I feel like you could do that, and that would be totally acceptable on Thanksgiving. Fryer, yeah, fryer fries. You should fry the turkey and fry fry, the, your fry the mashed potatoes, potatoes yeah. and they would end up being French fries. Well, some. <laughs> That would actually, that's true. Yeah, they, that is a French fry, isn't it? Uh, I've missed a lot of Thanksgivings oh. because of wrestling growing up. Oh, yeah. It's right in the area where you cannot eat, right? And Thanksgiving is all about eating. So okay. I missed, and so now I love it because I couldn't have it. Yeah. And Christmas so, has got to be, it is my favorite holiday. Mine too. Yeah. I don't think there's is any other. Is that pretty basic? I, is that basic? No, it is. It's just, it, we're so it, basic. It's difficult to surpass. I will tell you my least favorite holiday. I'm ready for it. New Year's Eve. Yeah. I find it to be so forgettable. Yes. I'm like, what what is this? Like about? on the on the on the list of like national holidays, oh right? Not like we're not talking about Flag Day or like something like that, right? Well, people the other day were celebrating Columbus Day. Yeah. Which I I was what? Yeah. And then I think it's Indigenous Peoples Day now. It is. It's both yeah, on my calendar it says both now. Okay. So Yeah, no, I don't I don't really like the uh I don't I don't like the New Year's Eve. Yeah. I just seems like, I don't know, it's Some <laughs> kind of fake. Last year, don't you remember last year, everybody was like, okay, it's turning 2021, yeah. and everything will be better. Yeah, and, right? and then and nothing's noth- better. No, now we have vaccine mandates. Yeah, so. it like happened in 2019, too. We're like, oh, 2020's come, and like everything yeah. was, no. So. It actually, I think, got worse. <laughs> so, And hooray. I don't ever like to stay up that late. Yeah, That's what I was going to say. As I'm getting older... I'm finding it more difficult to stay up until midnight. How old are you? 33. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. That's Ancient. ridiculous. <laughs> you can't even stay up that late at 33. No. Well, no. Not well with- kids. <laughs> so, time to go to that's bed. That's your future yep. right there. Yep. Sometimes you just get old. And, and on that note, and let's on that talk note, about an old guy. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about an old guy right now who is the executive pastor of ministry development at our church. And his name is Donald Butler. And so we're going to have a conversation with him because everyone has a story and he has a a great one that we're going to be talking about right now after this break. See you back in a second. Anything else to say? No, I (laughs) I felt like I was landing that plane a couple of times. huh? All right, we'll, we'll be right back.
Donald Butler. Heavily. Hey. How are you? I'm great. Well, I'm... So I'm you're not hopped up on Mountain Dew. Yeah, you're not actually great right now. You have some sort of problem with your back. I do. I have a, a, a herniated disc, which thanks for introducing me as the old man. Just nailed it. How many young men do you know who have a herniated disc? I, I'm not. I don't know. <laughs> not, not very many. I, not me anymore. I'm Donald. officially old. You and I are friends. Thank God. But new friends. Yes. We've only met each other in the last few months. Yep. I went to that app. Christianfriends.com. <laughs> you found me. <laughs> uh, we came to Harvest roughly at the same time. You came yeah. a month or two prior to me. Yeah, a month of. Well, I hit the ground a month before you. Yeah. yeah. Got everything so, squared away, piece of cake, ready to go. Just you walked right in. Why are you talking funny? <laughs> it's not funny to me. Wait, okay, where's that from? <laughs> uh, so I'm from the South. Definitely. Do people in the South just say that? Do they just say, I'm from the South, yeah, we, and the rest we, of us are supposed to not we, be interested in where in the claim, South? We claim the whole area. Do people from Mississippi claim, we don't, we don't, uh, we don't claim as them. their brothers and sisters those in Alabama? Unless it's Saturday football. Okay. But, and then but there's a lot after of, that, it would be, yeah, we're from, I'm from yeah, the, yeah, south. We're in the South. Yeah, we're okay. like Florida. They're not, they're not the South. <laughs> they're just all, you know, bleach blonde surfer For, florida's like the appendix of the u.s isn't it literally it sticks yeah know, it just could, sticks out there like and you always wonder what it. would happen if we didn't have it probably nothing yeah nothing although it's quite beautiful uh, beaches is what i've been told so where are you from so originally i was born in virginia in the okay east, east coast um my dad was kind of making his way up the corporate ladder so we moved around kind of when i was a kid but we, what did he do uh, he was in the commercial food equipment business, so he he sold and serviced commercial food equipment, like for restaurants and grocery stores. And so I sort of grew up in the restaurant adjacent okay. industry. Yeah. So. But he was moving around a lot. He was so moving around. We moved to so we moved to Chattanooga, Tennessee, and then we lived in Memphis for a little bit, and then. What was the, so? What is your home? Like when you think about. This is this is where I this is where I'm from. It's so funny you ask that because I I ask myself that all the time. I really don't feel like I have like home is wherever my wife is. Okay. <laughs> Current so currently uh, south of Elgin. Yes. Yeah. So Chicago kind of, is home. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm a nomad. No, we've lived in Tennessee, Alabama, uh, Texas, Kentucky, and now Illinois. Okay, so one of those doesn't. I was going to say one of those doesn't belong. Yeah, one of them, and you know, it's it's jury still out. (laughs) I haven't had a winter yet. I think it's funny the silence. (laughs) It's it's like edit, edit, edit. No, I'm, I'm. You know, I mean, it was 20 degrees this morning. That was new. Oh yeah, Fahrenheit. Yeah, that's right. Well, just cold. My, yeah, my brain still Sorry, you and struggles your, with the centigrade. I feel intimidated that I can't use the metric system and you can just <laughs> totally. rattle it off. Um, so you have a, you grew up in what kind of family? Um, my parents were, uh, they're amazing, wonderful people. They were married 30, however many years. My mom passed about 16 years ago. Mm. Um, she battled with cancer for a long time, so... Um, and then godly, godly people love the Lord. I have an older sister and a younger sister. So, um, how much older? 
Uh, Becca is 20 months older than me. And the younger sister? She's like two years younger than me. So she lives in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Oh, yeah. And then Becca lives in Birmingham, Alabama. So do you have all the issues that normal middle children have? I have all the issues. Because, like you just... Because I'm firstborn, because I'm the only male. Oh, yeah. I'm middle, because I was in the middle. Mm-hmm. I'm second born. Yeah, I have them all. I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I'm a hot mess. You were, you Thanks were the, for being here. You were the runt of that litter. And I'm also the last. I'm also the baby, because I'm the only male. Oh, my word. I know. It's terrible. So, like, I've got, yeah. Is that in the South? Do they not count women? Is that... When, when girls are born, they're like, this one doesn't count. Yeah. This one doesn't count. Yeah. I I get the whole, I inherit everything. Can I just make a disclaimer? I, nor anybody on the uh, conversations with Jeff Bucknam podcast, believe that women don't count. So I agree. I feel like that needed to be said. Yeah, you could have gotten in trouble. You, so um, you grew up in a Christian family. Yes, my it's actually a, a crazy story. My parents um, did not grow up as believers. My dad was uh, a professional country musician, played steel guitar on the Grand Ole Opry back in the. Okay, when you 60s. say steel, you're gonna have to explain it. Steel it's, guitar. It, if you hate country music, you hate it because it's whiny, and what my dad plays is what makes it sound whiny. <laughs> you hate it because of my dad. So, yeah. So when everybody's like, "I hate country music," I'm like, "Yeah, that's that's what." So yes, the one you play you have a slide. Yes, on your lap. He tried to teach me. I can't do it. It's really hard. Yeah. So yeah, he was a musician, and my mom was actually a dancer, which back then you know was totally different. I'm sure from what it is now. I mean, you probably see more skin on Dancing with the Stars now on TV than you did back then. But yeah, um, yeah so they met you know in that life, and then God just radically saved them, and uh, they came into a relationship with Jesus and changed their life, and started having babies and so we grew up in a a home that was you know kind of on fire and yeah back southern baptist southern baptist yeah uh what does that mean by the way when pe- when i say southern baptist what are the uniquenesses of a southern baptist church as opposed to i don't know just another were there any other kinds of churches down in the south at that point i'm sure there lot, were methodist lot, and stuff well, but yeah then you get into the pentecostals but you know that's yeah. The Southern Baptist Church. If I go to a Southern Baptist yeah, Church, then, what am I going to experience? I mean, that was you know what thirty years ago, so thirty five years ago, so they they were a little a little tight, you know. Had to had to clip on tie, clip Ooh. on tie, yeah, and sang in a choir robe. And so, did you? Oh yeah, I uh, I surrendered. To, they called it surrendering to full time Christian service back then. That's what they called when you came down front and said, "I want to." Work for the church. That's what they called. It. I did that when I was twelve. Oh wow! So yeah. So I. Why did you come down and do that just, at year twelve? I love the church. I just I always like. I just. This was this is, my thing. I just yeah. think church like it's amazing and it's a mess and full of broken people and, you know, I, I had a friend who said, "Yeah, the brighter the light, the more the bugs." You know, so if you're going to shine your light, just get ready for all the. If you really, if you're really doing what Jesus did, like all the, you can probably experience what Jesus experienced. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I had a great experience growing up, and um, we got to do a lot of music stuff. Is it true at the end of every uh, Southern Baptist church meeting that they have an altar call? 
Is that like a normal thing? When I say I think, altar call, yeah. it's the moment when it, when people are called forward yeah, I at think, the end I to think make some s- commitment or something. Every service. You could probably get away with a business meeting not doing an altar call. <laughs> Maybe. All right, I want you to come forward and commit <laughs> yourself to the, this budget. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, yes. But yeah, they like they like coming down front. They like, you know. Yeah, commitment type stuff. Yeah, this yeah. When, when I went to a Southern Baptist church years ago, the first time I ever went to one, I was with a friend, and uh, they had these this big altar call thing at the end of the service. And then I went the next week with my friend, and they did it again. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So anyway, when she and her husband came to our church, they didn't do an altar call. And at the end of the service, she leaned over to me and said, it's over? Mm-hmm. And I said, yep. Yeah, and she was like, well, when do we go forward? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, actually, most churches don't have that. Yeah, and see. she was like, "Whoa!" It just blew her mind. No, I mean, when I grew up, it's like, "Hey, if if you don't offer that, and this person gets in their car and gets hit by a bus, yeah, they could go to hell because you didn't do an altar call. Yeah, they didn't get a chance to. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> big church? Were you part of? It was a big yeah, church. Big churches. Yeah, I grew up in big churches, so um, which was fun. You know, a lot of opportunities and got to do a lot of cool things in high school, big youth groups and stuff yeah. like that, and then went to college at a little Southern Baptist school and did you go to college at a Southern Baptist school because it was Southern Baptist or because you wanted to go into ministry or something? Um, because I wanted to go into ministry. Yeah. And then, then I went to Samford university, which is kind of like the Baylor of the South Baylor's in Texas and Samford's in Alabama. So what, what we think, I mean, everybody else is like, yeah, whatever. Cause but, everybody listening to this from Chicago right now is thinking like, Aren't both those from the South. Yeah. But I'm, Baylor, I'm from the deep south. Okay, so that's the it's difference. difference deep, yeah. deep south. We've, Did you ever play any sports when you were in high school or college? Um, no, I was in the band. Okay, what did yeah. you play? Uh, in the marching band, I was the drum major. Oh, yeah? So so tell me, wait a minute, drum major. Yeah, so I was the guy that directed the oh. band while they were on the field. And then I also played trombone. Why do they call it a drum major if you're the... I have no idea. Oh. There's a lot of things Because I thought you, was, you were a drummer. No. I don't know. Okay. I didn't prepare. I won't. No, it's okay. I need to look at my list of questions. Was drum major on it? <laughs> I don't remember. Um, yeah, so. You I did that. I you, did sports when I was younger. Like, I did, like, a long time. Didn't take soccer. You didn't like them? Um, I think I just knew that music was my thing. Okay. So, I just kind of get getting pulled into that. So, when you went forward to be in... Uh, Ministry was it in your mind? I'm going to do this musically. Yeah. Okay. Going to be a minister of music. What was your degree at Samford? Church music. I have a church music degree. Oh my word! Yes. So I can very very useful degree. Yeah. There's, there's many a, areas. Yeah. It's very diverse. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my resume is lit up. What do you do in a church music degree at a school like Samford? Tell me. Explain to me like a few of the things that you do in a class. Yeah. So there's a lot of like just regular music stuff, like music history. Took a bunch of. I really studied in majors in church music because I got to take all the theories, theory of music. So that would help me with writing music. Oh. So some of the other things didn't have all the theory. So just a lot of the mechanics and learning how to compose and. So have you written a lot of songs? Um, I wouldn't say a lot, but yeah, I've written songs. There's yeah, not here, but in the past, yeah. Okay, we're actually about to put one of my songs on the new Vertical Kids album. Actually, wow, so that'll be the first one. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, 
There's a new Vertical Kids album? Yes, little ding. Just drop that in there. Oh, that's great. I'm looking forward to yeah. having that. Yeah. Um, you going to put it on CD? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We're making cassettes. What do you do now with a release, though, for a band? I know is it's it, a is lot there of a hype s- for a button to be clicked. Yeah, I was going to used to be like, check out my CD. Look at yeah. the box of CDs. Yeah, Here's a CD. Everybody's trunk is empty now. You don't have to carry boxes of CDs. Anymore. Yeah. Okay. I have the I have the cassette though that I did when I was in college, my first album, the cassette. You have an album. Yes, I ha- yeah. So if I go on, you'll never find it. No, iTunes or. Oh yeah. If There's I go on Spotify on and I look yeah. for Do- look for Donald Butler, it would probably be under other churches that I worked for at the time. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, what was your first church minister? When did you, you met your wife in at college? college yeah. yeah. And you guys got married. How old were you? Uh, when we got married, yeah. we were two years out of school. We got married in 1998. Okay. She's so a spunky one. Your wife. Oh gosh. She is. Yeah. She's she's like Gretchen the, is her name. The, yes. She's like the rush chair of life. Like, I just want to sit and, like, see what's going on, and she just can, like, grab every, like, she's very extroverted and, and loving. and She's delightful. Yeah. she's And she's she's a lot of fun. Like, we, you know, we've been married 23 years next week, actually. Congratulations. On the 7th. I'm saying that now so that I remember. Yeah. This is a weird story, but Gretchen and I, neither one remember our anniversary. Luckily, we both forget. Has it ever gone by All, every without year. you guys not knowing? Every year. Literally, every really, you look at the the calendars the night. You're like, wait a minute. Most something. of the time, what will happen is I will wake up and I will have a text from my sister that says "Happy Anniversary," oh. and I will roll over and say, "Hey, Gretchen, guess what today is?" <laughs> but we you both guys do are it, such so romantic. it's a, <laughs> it would be really bad. You know, if Tommy she, and his wife. <laughs> is it a new thing? Like they don't celebrate anything yeah, they, either. I know we're all so fresh and, but yeah, neither one of us. So she said literally two days ago. She's like, hey, don't forget. Because we always remember like a week out. Yeah. And then I, I think it's just November. So it's that time of year we just get busy. All right. So like we'll remind each other every year. I'll probably remember this year just because this podcast. Because this podcast. So um, exciting. What was your first church job then? First church ministry. And what was your title and role? My first church. I'm assuming you came out and went immediately into. Yeah. So first full time. I mean, I you know, I did stuff in college, internships yep. and stuff. But um, my second senior year, what I, I squeezed it into five. At a boy. Um, yeah, my second senior year, I started actually uh, with a church plant. It was my youth pastor from high school planted a church, and he asked me to come lead worship. So this, so the last semester of school, I started there, and so when I graduated, they just they brought me on full time. So my first my first church experience was a was a plant, brand new baby church. Church in a box. It was non-denominational. Did you meet in a church or in a, like we a met, school? We or? met in a nursing, the nursing school at the local university. Yeah, it was okay. that it was the like it was the teaching room where it's like real yeah. tiered, you know. So it was weird because all the band was at the bottom looking up. Right, everybody. It was an awkward experience, but yeah. So we started. What was the best part of being in that church plant? You know, for me, like because it was non-denominational. Um, Everything was, everything was new and everybody was diving into like really get into the word and go, Hey, what does God say f- about this particular subject? Eldership or divorce or yeah. drinking. I mean, everything. So I sat on the elders board at 24 years old, 23 years old, 
with all these, just around all these like godly men having all these incredible conversations just about like, how do we apply, like when it's all said and done, what are we going to be doing? How are we going to be changing our world? So I think that was probably the best first experience for me because it was like no assumptions. I really had to challenge, you know, everything that, you know, well, it's a good place to learn, right? Yeah, I mean, like yeah. I mean, just because I was Baptist, I meant this, but like applied in, knowledge. Yeah. You have to raise questions about what you were taught. Or so it, I think it really, it kind of set me up to, to, you know, ask why. Mm. You know, How long were you there? I was at my first church for six years. Six yeah. years. And you were the worship pastor? I was a worship pastor there, yeah. Uh-huh. All right. What is the craziest thing that has ever happened in your worship pastoring like I want to talk about the other places you've been, mm. but I want you to tell me really quickly what is like one of the the memories of this is weird. Yeah. So like what? Yeah. When I was in Houston, we we did this uh, weekend where we were talking about grace, and it was a message on sin. And we had this was way back when you kind of did a lot of stuff, you know, break the fourth wall, get everybody involved, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So we had passed out sheets of paper for people to write their sin on. <laughs> looking back I'm like wow they wrote their sin on it and everybody came down front we threw a little baptist in you had to come down front during the song and you put your piece of paper in this we had these like metal trunks yeah and so at this certain point we were singing the Chris Tomlin song Amazing Grace My Chains Are Gone yeah at this certain point we stopped in the song and the pastor came up was like hey this is what happens to your sin and three of us worship leaders had lighters and we had We'd stick them in the back of the trunk. We'd drill a hole. And nobody knew, but all the paper was actually flash paper. Oh. So as soon as you lit it, there was this puff of fire, and then it was just gone. Wow. And it was, it was a really cool visual. Like, hey, your sin is no more. Like, this is what happens when you confess your sin. It's just obliterated. So I was at a church. We were doing multiple services. So we had done it Saturday night. Everything was great. We'd done the first service Sunday morning. Everything was great. Last service Sunday morning. And I guess there was, like, a lot of <coughs> sinners because it was like a lot of sin mm. trunk. <laughs> it was it was full. <laughs> we hasn't so, been this full yet. Yeah, the, the late group was slept in and showed up for church. Anyway, I lit the thing and a giant like plume of fire <clears throat> shot out of the top of the trunk. It's on it's on video somewhere. And I flash burned my face live in the service and still finished the song. <laughs> like I had a little goatee at that point. Did it burn right there's off? There's a little wisp of, of smoke. Like while, while I was singing, there was a little smoke coming up. And I, you can see me on the video. I grab it just to make sure I'm not on fire. I finish singing the song. And I walk off stage like the paramedics are there. <laughs> <laughs> so I was on fire probation from then on. I couldn't do any more fire, fire things in the service. That's pretty funny. Yeah. That was probably the most memorable one. Catch myself on fire during the... What is something that people don't know about worship leading that every worship leader sort of knows that's kind of a, a hidden either secret or oh, thing you think about that other people are not thinking about. Is it that your mind is having, you're having two conversations because in preaching, that's what it is. You have oh. what you're saying. And then there's this thing in your mind where you're looking around the room and noticing that that person has a red shirt yeah. and yeah. you notice that other guy and you think, Oh, that I, he's here at church today. Yeah. I got to afterwards remember to talk to him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's, I think for worship leaders that are in charge of moving the service along there, there's really probably like at any given time, five to seven things that you're thinking about all at once, you know, 
if you're if you're playing, so you're you're thinking about your chords, you're thinking about your notes, you're singing, you're thinking about the people on stage, you're making sure that the band is with you, you're making sure that the lyrics are going, and you're making sure you're staying on time, yeah. and you want to hand off to the pastor. That's just seven right off the top of my head. That that, yeah. that monologue is internally going for thirty five minutes. So I think that um, you know it's a it's a it's a craft. Oh yeah. It's like something you really have to, you, you have to work at and, and be able to not let that stuff drown out the really point, which is like creating an atmosphere where the spirit can move among the people. So yeah. it takes a, it takes a lot to um, juggle all those things and still make sure they don't become the point. So your first church is where? Montgomery, Alabama. Montgomery, Alabama. And then Montgomery. you went from there to Texas, I think. Well, from there, I went to Birmingham to be the creative director for Student Life. So I was, the, I was a tour producer and the creative director. What's a tour producer? So Student Life um, is a company that do camps and conferences for high school students all across the country. Oh, wow. So I went to produce their conference. So we would do like a 13-city tour. Uh, the last one I did was, and I'm not name dropping by any stretch, but you know, we'd have Shane and Shane and David Nasser come out with us. We just, you know, take the thing on the road and do that and... um then we do camps during the summer. So I did that for okay. a couple of years. Yeah. Wow. We'll travel. And then we start having kids and I was like, yeah, yeah this living on the buses right. for the birds. How many years did you do that? I did that for like two, about two, two and a half years. And then you got back into church ministry. Yeah. And then I, I was, so I was, I was touring with student life and then I was leading worship on Saturday nights at my home church in Birmingham. And so they had, uh, so I was just kind of the Saturday night guy. They did a young person service, which yeah. I was young back then. Um, and then is it, sorry, no, go ahead. I'm going to break in it. You, I have a kind of a, a difficult question that maybe you don't want to answer, Okay, but it's a thoughtful one. Um, how do you as a Christian person and a worship leader, you want to honor God. How do you deal with the fact that there are like a thousand or 1500 people who are there just super excited about your music and you know, they're, they're acting the same way they would if Taylor Swift were, were there. And they, mm-hmm. in many cases, especially young people, they view you sure, like they would. Like, yeah. I, I don't know, really know any Shane and Shane songs, which is, I suppose, awful for me. But I'm yeah, assuming that one of the two Shanes might feel like they're kind of a rock star. How do you, how do, you do that? And yet that kind of feeling is, seems kind of anti-Christian. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, how do you balance that? I think you go... Maybe you go through that in any sort of like public profession that you pick. You know, if you wanted to be a baseball player, there probably is that moment where it's like, I want to be a famous mm. baseball player. I mean, I, I'm sure there's just that process that you have to go through from a maturity standpoint. So I'm sure there were those times where, you know, my motives were impure. For me, um, being a worship pastor has always been about creating an environment. Mm. So it was never about the music or um, just one particular thing. But the, you know, scripture says that the Holy Spirit draws men to himself. Mm -hmm. It's not my job to get you to come to Christ. It's my job to create an environment where um, there's an openness, you know, and you can be open. So whether it's a lighting cue or the right key of a song or who we have on stage or that the temperature in the room is correct, all those things come together to create something. So I've always seen it as parts of a whole. 
And so as much as somebody might want to say, oh my gosh, that song was amazing or, you know, whatever, to me, it's always just been, well, that's just part of it. You know, it's not the thing. Ultimately, mm-hmm. if this isn't leading you to Holy Spirit, then yeah, you might as well go see you too. They're way better. Yeah. But um, the emotional experience, I think, is is can be part of it. I also think there's just, I, I learned again early on, maybe growing up in larger churches, but it's like, it's kind of, sometimes our um, demands that we put on ourselves for the worship experience are kind of silly. Mm. Like, so I'm going to gather a thousand people in a room and then treat them all the same. Mm. Like emotionally, they're all in different spots. Theologically, I mean, in every sort of Lee, there's just so much diversity in the room. And my goal was like, how can we make room for all of that? So I'm not trying to get everybody to stand and raise their hand. Yeah, You know, I'm not trying to get everybody to do anything. I'm trying to create a space where there's access to what the Lord's want to do. So for me, the, the idea of the guy at the back of the room, I, I I've taught this for years, but the guy in the back of the room that is really only there at church today just to shut his wife up because she's nagged him so much that he's finally was like, if I go, will you leave me alone? Like that guy, if I can create a space where he can relax enough and hear the Holy spirit, that's, that's my job. Yeah. That's it. It's good. Yeah. So you were, um, eventually you, you headed off to a church in Texas though. Yeah. So we, we, uh, were in Birmingham and then got like a big, like a, like fast growing. Yeah. Church. It was small when I got there. It was, we went to Houston. They were, again, it was a church plant. They were probably two years old running maybe two or 300 people. Um, our, our pastor was a former missionary. And so he, he really taught me, I was there for 10 years. He really taught me about missional, um, ministry. And like, he would say things like, Hey, we live on the mission field. It just happens to be in Houston. Mm. So we're going to study our culture and insert the gospel into that culture. So uh, we officed from home. We worked six days a week and took a Sabbath. We um, we got rid of all kinds of um, stuff that wasn't necessary and really focused in on reaching people that were far from God. And, yeah, it just it, it blew up. I mean, when we, we were just seeing so many people that nobody, nobody was really reaching. And I think that was kind of the goal. Like, hey, there's amazing churches in Houston, incredible like foundations of faith in Houston, and they're reaching, uh, they're reaching people. We want to reach the people that aren't being reached. And so, we just we went after unchurched people. We, you know, we purposely would get rid of jargon and those kind of things. Is that like, so? Give me some advice on how it is that you did that or would do that. Yeah. So, I mean. I'm not like a seeker driven guy. I right. was, it wasn't that, but it was just really the accessibility. Hospitality is a huge thing, you know, just um, making people feel welcome, not doing things that, that make them feel awkward, but really treating them as a guest, um, getting rid of um, a subculture, like our jargon a lot, like just using words that are common in oh, blessings in culture. Like, like we're not going to fellowship you know, we're just going to hang out, Yeah. you know, and I'm not going to bless you. I'm just going to say, man, have a great day. You know, those kind of things that none of those are bad, but they're counter, they're counterintuitive. They're countercultural. Yeah. Well, it's an insider speak, right? For sure. And yeah. most of us have been inside long enough that we, we get the lingo. Yeah. So but we if, had a, we had a buzzer from the game taboo. Yeah. We would keep in staff meeting 
And anytime somebody said something churchy, you would get buzzed. It was literally, we had to tra- just train. Yeah, it's good. Especially, you know, guys that grew up in the church, you know, especially worship leaders. Cause you know, we, we just say stuff. You don't even think you just say, amen. Yeah. And it just, it just comes out. It's, it's involuntary almost, you know, and I just really got challenged on, Hey, if you're going to say something, make it meaningful and make it accessible. Yeah. Um, and we just, we saw the Lord really move in that. Yeah. So ten, 10 years. Yeah. I was there 10 years. It was, it was amazing. We, Started at a church plant when I left. You know, we were running six, seven thousand on the weekend. It's amazing. It was praise God. And it and was a lot a, of people who are from kind of outside the yeah, church people. Yeah, and and that was fun because like they didn't know church, so we we didn't have to prop up a lot of things. It was no. just like, hey, we're gonna stay in God's word, like keep it simple. Um, worship was uh, amazing because um, as these people were coming to a relationship with Jesus, then we started like having a generation of worshipers. Yeah. So like the worship, the Lord just really um, infused it because these people were just inspired, you know, and we would make sure that we were teaching really great theology through our songs. Yeah. You know, just cutting all the stuff that was flowery, but really not very important. Okay. So now, now we're at the part of your story that I find (laughs) weird. So here's this guy who's, you know, whatever, 12 years old, says he's going to be, uh, worse, you know, I'm going to commit Called my life to the ministry. The ministry. The you go all the way through all the three different churches or whatever, three yeah. three or four different ministries, yeah. and you get to that point and you're like, you know what? Midlife crisis. I need to go and <laughs> own a business, and the business I'm going to own is what? Um, so we bought a True Value hardware store. Of course and, you did. And a and a power equipment company. I sold tractors and farm tractors, farm equipment, zero turn mowers, chainsaws, weed whackers. It was great. All right, what's the best best tractor to buy? <laughs> I I've refrained from Dude, we this is right now. We could get some we could get a sponsorship <laughs> right here. <laughs> no, not for me. They don't, they okay. Don't, they don't care. Um no, we we let we we were at Houston. At that point, I was the executive pastor at, uh, at the church there. I'd been there for several years, and, and um, the Lord said, hey, you're, you've done what I've called you to do here. It's time for a new assignment. So when you say that, the Lord said that, tell me what you mean. I really was looking at circumstances, and I'm a, I'm a builder. So we had had this like, trajectory for 10 years of just growth and building, and we're actually finishing up a, a really large, I think it was a $15 million building campaign where we, we just built a new building and I'd overseen all that. And it was kind of like, I'm just looking around going, the guy that now needs to come and maintain this mm. and put in like good systems, like that's not me. I'm more entrepreneurial. And so I think that's where I really began to pray and say, Lord, this, it was really strange because the worship room that we had built I helped design. I mean, a, a, an architect friend of mine was the guy that designed it. And I was like, this should be like, I want to like die here. I want to stay here forever. It's my room. Mm-hmm. And I just had no emotional attachment to it at all. It was the strangest thing. And I just thought, man, something's off. And I just began to pray. And that's when he was like, I had you here for, to hear. Now you need to hand off. Well, and you get sensed that it was the time for a transition. Yeah. yeah. So we stepped away. The church was very gracious. We took some time off and, um, I had interviewed at a couple other churches and nothing was right. I mean, we really, I'd only done ministry. That's all I'd ever done. Um, and so one day I was sitting at the computer. It's a Friday morning 
And I literally, because I grew up in a family business, and I literally Googled like franchises for sale. Um, I just didn't even know, you know. And I was you didn't like, choose Chick Fil A. No, what's wrong with well, you? I don't have. I'm not cash flush. Okay. So, um, like all these things came up, Allstate, yeah, insurance, yeah. and Menchie's frozen yogurt, and then this thing came up for True Value, and I was like, I don't. We had flipped a couple of houses and I'd done all this construction for churches. And I was like, well, I don't have the cash to be a house flipper, but I could sell the hardware to the guys that do. So <laughs> that's what. And you did. And we did. For how many years? It was, it was a little town. Almost like, five years. What yeah. people need to picture is a smaller, you moved to a smaller town, right? Yeah. It was like a Hallmark movie. Like we left Houston, like the big city and moved to this little town. It's called Madisonville, Kentucky. Shout out to Madisonville. Like anybody from Madisonville. <laughs> um, they don't have internet yet. No, I'm just kidding. So. Yeah, our, our store was on Main Street in Madison. Actually Hill. called Main Street. Main Street, tw- maybe 19,000 people in the county. Um, it was, And you were the hardware guy. And, I, we were, and it was Butler's Hardware and Power Equipment on Main Street. How many years did you do this? We did that almost five years. Wow, did you like it? Loved it. We had a 1951 pickup truck that we drove in the Christmas parade every year. Wow. Um, yeah, it was... It was it was great for my family. My son did his whole high school in this little town. Yeah. You know, and it was, we were 45 minutes. It is a Hallmark movie. From, it is. Why Ex- have they except, not made this? Except that my wife didn't fall in love with her high school boyfriend. That's the, okay. <laughs> that's the one yeah, part. Really. And I'm really glad. <laughs> yeah. Nobody, nobody had to get a new partner, but yeah, it was like, leave the big city. Like that's all my kids had ever known. Huge. Like our neighborhood in Houston had three elementary schools in our neighborhood. It's like 5,000 homes. And then we moved to this little, we, we had this little farm in Western Kentucky selling hardware. Um, yeah, it was crazy. But it was great God putting us in the marketplace, you know, because I'd been in the church bubble for so long that it was just good to kind of get out and like be like where real people live, you know, and just be involved in real conversations. And, and uh, Western Kentucky is a very blue collar area. It's coal mining. So it was very just kind of raw and, people just dealing with real stuff. And I think sometimes the church kind of speaks at one level and the people like are at a different place. And so just to kind of see that gap and, and, you know, us do what we had been asking people to do for 20 years, which was like, go live out your faith in the marketplace. Yeah. So we, we were, we really embodied that. Did you find it more difficult than you thought it would be? Or was it surprisingly? No, it was amazing. Easy or? I think because of the genre of, of small town hardware, you know, when you go to a, a True Value or an Ace Hardware, you know, it's not a big box store. So people that go to those are going because they need help. Yeah. You know, like, oh, I broke my toilet and I don't know how to fix it. Or, hey, I got to match this paint color from the 70s. Like, they're going in to engage with somebody. If, And so it was amazing. I would stand in the entrance of our store and just greet people. And I was like, this is what I've been doing at church for decades. Like yeah. People are coming in with problems and we're trying to help them solve them. So the irony of how ministry like it was, you know, was not lost on us at all. You know, and it was like, they will, you know, kindness will lead them to repentance. Like this is what we should be doing, just helping people. You know? So why did you go back into ministry? Uh, COVID hit. Oh, okay. <laughs> people don't want to buy a bunch of hardware. How are you like, I thought you guys would have been an essential service. Well, we were. No, honestly, we, we had been praying and sensing the, Again, like as we're looking at our industry mm-hmm. and going, hey, small town retail, retail is 
tough. I mean, people say ministry is tough. I'm like, dude, ministry is not tough compared to small town retail. But looking at that and going, hey, do we want to do this for another 25 years? Yeah. We were kind of like, yeah, this may not be the long game. So we, the Lord had already kind of been started stirring up. But COVID hit, and we had so many of our clientele that were older people that when it first hit, I, I closed the store because I just didn't want to right. be a source of like, oh, yeah, everybody got COVID at Butler Street Value. Mm-hmm. So um, while we were closed, we just had a guy that's just out of the blue, like, hey, I saw the store was closed. I don't know if you'd ever be interested in selling it, but if you are, man, I've, I grew up in this town. I've passed it every day, and it's my dream. And it just went from there. We were like, hey, it's, you know, we've had a good run, and it's healthy, and we've enjoyed it, but we since, you know, yeah. calling back into ministry – so it was like a, it was a good like healthy break, yeah. and I think I came back into ministry like with fresh eyes and yeah, um, a lot of experience. And Illinois, yeah, you've well, come to Harvest Bible Chapel in yeah. Illinois. Have you? Do you have the internet? Wait, in, in, so when you have the internet, did you ever look up Harvest Bible Chapel? No, on I knew internet? nothing. No, okay. I'd never heard of it. I I knew Vertical. Okay, and I just knew a couple of songs. Like I wasn't like okay. a Vertical groupie. Like I don't have a like a T shirt like right. Tommy does, but. but yeah, I didn't. I knew nothing about it, and yet here you it's be. Great. Yeah. Do you like it? Do you like being here? Yeah, we love it. We love it. It's you live on a farm here. Yeah, we live out in the country. Um, my kids are are. Uh, I have a an eighth grader, sophomore, and then my my girls, and then my son is nineteen mm. in college. He works at Chick Fil A. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just been a great move for the family, and Harvest is a wonderful place. Um, they're in the, you know, they're in school here. So just a lot of just deep friendships and there's a momentum in this place right now. Just, you know, you coming in and, and just like, um, you just sense that people are want to see, um, their lives mean something. Yeah. Want to like cut through all the stuff and just like get back to like, Hey, what are we here for? And so it's been really encouraging. We, and I think what I'm two years younger than you, so that makes you really like old. That. that makes I'm you really, really old. old. Um, but yeah, we're we're in our second half, yeah. you know, and I want my second half to to count and matter. And and this is just a great place. You feel like you learn so much in the first half and make so many errors that I'm sure I'm gonna, there's there are enough errors for me to make in the second half equal to the ones in the first for sure. But I just don't want to do the same ones. Yeah, I I I don't know. I I feel like. Um, I feel like I'm more relaxed. Yeah. You know, I think that first half where you, you, you find yourself, um, defining yourself by your accomplishments, you yeah. know, it's just part of it. But now it's like, Hey, it's really about people. Yep. You know, I mean, there's only two things that last the word of God and the souls of men. Mm-hmm. And so we need to be about those things. And so the, the team here is amazing. I mean, to be able to step in the XP role and oversee all the ministry people. And I just tell them, Hey, my job is to get you what you need to do your calling that's my job. Like, what do you need? How can I serve you? And we just, I, like I could spend the next 30 years doing that. boy, For sure. For sure. Yeah. Donald, it is so great to have you. Listen, we're going to do a lightning round because I have to. <laughs> just because. Okay. Do Are I have you ready? To, do I have to? No, you have to respond very okay. quickly. You have to All respond right. very quickly. Are these supposed to be? T- okay. They're just things that are going to come to my mind that this I'm just I'm looking at you right now and I'm just ma- I'm wondering certain You're things. You're staring into my soul. Right no, now. I'm staring at your shirt. The first and question is, why do you have a camo shirt on? I thought it would make me look younger. Do you have other camo clothing? Absolutely. Do you use it for hunting? Yes. What kinds of deer, hunting do you do? Deer are delicious. Do you do it 
That deer, that's your hunting? Eat, eat what you kill. What yes. other things do you hunt? Um, uh, quail, quail and dove are also delicious. Like the Holy Spirit you dove? Wrap you kill Holy Spirit dove. Yes, but if you wrap them in bacon with some jalapeno, okay, it's spiritual for sure. I just feel like that was... You did it. <laughs> um, okay. How long have you been hunting? Uh, 10 years. Do your kids hunt? My, my daughter loves to hunt. How many guns do you own? Uh, probably nine. Maybe more. I How can you not them. know the number? Well, they're locked up. I don't count them every day. There's too many. To do you shoot bows and arrows? Yes, I shoot a bow. All there, right. And there are dead things hanging in my office. You know If that. you could do anything at all on a given Saturday, what would it be? Uh, cut grass. I love like it. Like all, all grass? Yes. Cut like grass. Just cut my acreage, yes. Just get on the mower. What's the best tractor? <laughs> hey, come on. One that's running. What kind of cut? <laughs> what tractor do you own? Uh, I, I don't own a tractor currently. I have a Cub Cadet zero turn. It's just a zero turn mower. What's I, a zero I, turn I mower? It, it goes in a, it's just a lawnmower. Okay. But a special kind of lawnmower. Yeah. It's, I apologize for not having my, being up to speed on my lawnmowers. <laughs> But uh, I'll bring it by your place. Pop, we pop, can cut the grass. Pop some, pop some wheels. God bless you. You too. Thank you Thanks so much. Thanks for letting for me be your partner. We're excited. Oh, Donald is great. For all of you guys who are listening, uh, you, when you go into a new church ministry and stuff, mm. you look around and you realize God's been there before you. So you have to sort of figure out, all right, well, in God's providence, how has he prepared this place for renewal? Yes. And Donald Good. is one of the guys that I immediately was like, Wow. I can't believe someone this talented mm. is here You're already. Gracious. So I'm thrilled that you are here. Yeah, let's do God it. God bless you. You too. For the rest of you, uh, it is great to have you join us. Uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye now.